Hey guys, and welcome back to an episode of the Finding Your Freedom podcast with me, Madeline. Super happy to have you guys here with me. Um, Yeah, so a lot of changes have been going on. I'll tell you guys a little bit about them, but if you're new to the podcast, this is a podcast all about neuroscience, psychology, and spirituality, all about finding our freedom from the past, our past trauma, from the narratives from our family, the narratives from society, and really connecting to that authentic self. And I record podcasts and bring on experts that talk about all those topics and that have helped me in my own journey of finding my freedom. So super excited to have you guys here. And now for (laughs) some really exciting announcements. I have created a new Instagram account that, at least for the time being, is going to be a woman-only space, and I'm really, really excited about that. And yeah, it's going to be a more selective space where I'm just posting, you know, informational content on neuroscience, psychology, and spirituality, and, you know, a plethora of topics under those core topics. So I'm really, really excited for this. It feels so much better to have a a small selective group of people that are actually there for healing and betterment versus people reading my posts that maybe aren't looking for that. So I'm really excited and the podcast will be more consistent from now on. I'm just, I guess, kind of working on restructuring my life with all these changes that have been going on. And yeah, I'm really excited to have you guys along for the ride. It almost feels like this podcast part two. It feels like once I got to 100 episodes, the podcast started a part two and it's a new evolution now and that feels really good and feels really aligned and yeah, I'm really, really excited about it. So stay tuned, (laughs) stay tuned for more on that and you know more updates with the podcast, new guests, um, ads hopefully coming soon. Um, And crazy enough, in January, it'll be three years. So super excited to just continue on this journey with you guys. So those are the main announcements. And I think my services will be changing a little bit. Um, For now, you can still go to my website and book a reading, a coaching call. But that will be changing soon into a different type of format. So Stay tuned on that. (laughs) So now I want to tell you guys about today's episode. And this is really our first repeat guest on the podcast. I had her on, you know, almost exactly two years ago at this point. And it was so funny and so amazing to have Michaela Cowden, our guest, back on because we have both changed so much in the past few years and that's really why I wanted to have her on because I think when you first start healing or you're first a part of kind of like new age spirituality um, the more you learn and grow I feel like into who you are and see the flaws in different systems like the more you become free the more you become yourself the more you see what practices resonate and the ones that don't you're able to just let them you know kind of fall away so really excited for you guys to hear this episode. It, um, 
It's such an amazing one. It's a very long one, which of course it is, because the last time I had Michaela on, it was a pretty long episode as well. And I want to just give like a brief trigger warning that there is like some talk of sexual assault in this episode. So if you're sensitive to that, maybe skip over that part, or maybe this is something that you feel ready to listen to. So yeah, just want to give that warning and it's not too long of a part. Um, yeah, so with that, we talk about kind of some of the problems in modern day spirituality. We talk about <laughs> some of the problems in the new um, sexual healing sensuality space. We talk about relationships. We talk about trauma healing and how that really is the root of everything and how healing our trauma can get us closer to the healthy relationships that we desire and some of the ways we self-sabotage ourselves. So excited for you guys to hear this conversation. I love getting to chat with Michaela and, you know, hopefully more to come from her on the show as well. So I'll tell you a little bit about today's guest. Michaela Cowden is the founder of Healing Our Lineage LLC, her company that's dedicated to teaching women how to heal pain and trauma that's one, been passed through family lines, and two, picked up through simply living life as a human. Her current available paid offering, Breaking the Cycle, is a self-paced online course that grants you lifetime access to trainings, meditation, prayers, journal prompts, and more that guide you through the necessary healing work to finally break free from the painful cycles of toxic, unhealthy relationships. Michaela has been actively engaged in her own mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual healing for the last 13 years, and has had the honor of serving thousands of women across five continents in their own healing work. Despite society's current obsession with pleasure, Michaela's commitment is to providing her clients with lasting results remains unwavering as she knows that true healing and transformation doesn't always feel good. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm so excited for you guys to listen. I won't make you wait any longer and we'll get into today's episode. So I'm having my first repeat guest, Michaela Cowden, which I'm so excited for. And I know I asked you this pretty much exactly two years ago, but what have you been finding your freedom from lately? Oh, geez. Um, So freedom for me lately has looked like giving up control. I didn't realize how much... I was trying to grasp onto control in my life because it really got masked through the lens of spirituality. And it's like, we're, I guess, just diving right into it and like how we're kind of, you know, moving away from that space, both of us ourselves. Um, 
But I think over the, especially over the last two years, it's like God took me away from everything that I found safety and comfort within and led me to a new space and um, just showed me all the places in my life where I was using certain things as a means of control in, in ways to try to make me feel safe. Um, like even things like manifestation, if we really ask ourselves, like, why do we try to manifest so freaking hard? It's because we want to control shit. We want to control when we, our relationship comes into our life. We want to control when we make more money and how much and why it's like, it's all about control and none of it has to do with surrender and trust. And so even something as for people who like, don't know my, my background, um, I moved out to the West coast when I was 22 by myself to San Diego. I knew that clear move. Then after a year there, I moved to Scottsdale, Arizona and was there for three years. And that was crystal clear for me. And then I moved to Huntington beach, California, and that was crystal clear. And I knew this past spring, like, well, not even spring, it was the summer, like a month and a half ago. Um, I knew my time in Huntington Beach was up. I had that clarity, but I have no idea what's next. None. And I'm, it's like bothering me. I'm like trying to figure out like, what is my next move? Where am I supposed to physically even be? And I think this is like the cherry on top to round off like the last two years of how God's been working on me. He's like, remember girl, we're getting rid of our means of like gripping onto control. And this is just like another way, like you don't have to know where you want to live right now and just surrender and like let go of control of trying to figure that out. So that's where I've been finding freedom. Long story short of just being like, I don't freaking know. And that's like very, that's like a nerd for me. It's like always wanting to know what I'm supposed to do and what's my next move and where I'm supposed to be and all that stuff. And so it's um, really forcing me to expand in that way. and just be like, I don't freaking know. And that's totally fine. And I'm still taking care of in the not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that so much. And I feel like that's been a lesson for me this year, like on manifestation specifically, because at the beginning of this year, I was like, I'm going to have like a six like figure Mm -hmm. year and I'm moving to this specific place and like all these things. And this like beautiful relationship was like, you know, thrown in my path that meant not going to the place I thought I was going to go, you know, potentially putting my business on the back burner burner for a little bit to like let love in. And I was like, but my manifestation said this. Yeah. So much resistance to actually what my path was like actually what God wanted me to learn because I was so like rigid on trying to control the outcome from this manifestation of you know moving to this place and actually not being in a relationship would have made me feel more safe but that wasn't the plan and I feel like sometimes people just get so stuck and try to control through the means of spirituality that they don't even notice like what's in front of them totally and it's so funny like we take our spiritual journey on as if we're like worshiping ourselves. Like we don't, so many of us, we don't even include God in our spiritual journey. And like, that makes zero fucking sense to me when you really sit and think about it. And so one thing I've like learned about myself, it's like all these things that I've tried to like manifest so hard. I'm like, were those things that I just wanted out of my humanness? Or were those actually visions that God gave me that were like, threads for me to follow. And 
we tend to get so frustrated and upset when things don't go our way, but it's like, who came up with that plan? Was it us or was it God? And if like we, if we're trying to make things happen that like God's not a part of and God never wanted for us, like who can we really be mad at? We're, we're, we're leaving out, you know, like our creator and our provider and our protector. And like what I've learned so much over the last two years is like, I actually don't want anything that God's not a part of. I just don't because I did it for so long. I tried so hard. And that's the other catch too. Um, this is, I could talk about spirits all day, but there's a reason why pleasure and manifestation and all that stuff feels so good because things that pull us away from our divine truth, our divine home, our divine creator, we wouldn't leave that space if it didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Right. No one's going to be like, Oh, I'm going to abandon what's actually best for me for something that feels like shit. Like no one's going to freaking do that. Yeah. And so we get tempted with all these, like, right. Like when I first really got into my spirituality and manifestation, everything I was manifesting 10 K months, like it was nobody's business. <laughs> like I was so good at it. And then it started to dry up. And I'm like, why aren't these manifestations working? And it, it's like, no, God wanted me to do a lot of deeper work as to like, it's not, it's not about temporary pleasures and having these highs of like trying to manipulate reality. It's about doing the really deep foundational work on our spirit so that we can have long-term success and, you know, have a, a plan in motion for our lives that God's a part of that is so abundantly providing and protecting. Um, I mean, that's just, I've I've learned that so, so clearly over the last few years. It's like, if God's not a part of it, I don't want it. Maybe the other way is, you know, feels better in the short term, but long-term game, it's just not what's best for me. Yeah. And I feel like it seems like a lot of the spirituality content has kind of like moved into money and it's so much about like 10 K months and money and like mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And it's just like really a bummer because that's not really totally. why everyone got into this. And I, I've like realized too, like I've started on following certain people because it would literally like looking at certain people's content would give me anxiety because it always seems like they're telling you there's a problem. Yep. Or something to solve or fix. Yep. And it's so funny too, because as my understanding of money and wealth has evolved over the last few years too, um, most of the spiritual wealth coaches, they don't actually teach you what brings about true wealth, right? They teach you like these energetic principles and manifestation and healing your relationship with money and all that stuff. And that's certainly important work. Like I've done that work and it's been crucial for me to identify like how I think about money and how I relate to money. So I'm not saying that's not important work, but that's a fraction of what actually goes into generating money and creating wealth for yourself. And no, none of those coaches are going to tell you, Oh, without this course and without my hundred thousand dollar or hundred thousand person email list, I don't actually have the money that I have. Right. Like it's just, there's not that transparency and that truth in like, how you actually create money and how you actually sustain money. Um, It's just all those quick hits of like, you can make a 10 K month and it's super alluring, but 
if you don't know how to be a good steward to money, that 10K quick, that 10K is going to go through real quick. Like it just, it just will. Yeah. I feel like if there's not like a solid foundation of who you are and what your work's about, like you can sell flashy stuff, like only for so long. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like we got right into the, (laughs) (laughs) some of the like the issues with everything. (laughs) I've just been like seeing, I feel like, and I know you were talking about this on your Instagram story recently. Like, I feel like I've been in such a big transition too with like spirituality in my life and relationships and letting go of the strong independent woman and like all these things and like I'm following so many people and it's like you know just like another like spiritual death and growth of like who am I in this chapter and I think you brought up something really good too with the you know worshiping God being a part of it and like whatever I guess you choose to call God because a lot of the spirituality stuff like you said it's it's self-love and self-worship which is good, but it's like, we should be worshiping like the connectedness of everything, not just ourselves. Totally. We've, we've created ourselves to be gods and like, we're not sorry. I don't know about you, but I'm a freaking human. And I fall short of like my God self all the freaking time. Like, it's just, I posted in my reel today, like, um, cause I recently got um, an explant surgery. So I had my implants taken out. And today was the first time I saw my body in a bathing suit without my implants. And like my body is gorgeous and beautiful and it's amazing and all that stuff. But I still had a moment where I was like, oh my gosh, like my body's so different right now. And I, I had like that fork in the road of going down the spiral spiral of like, I'm not good enough. Did I make a mistake? Why did I do this to myself? I should have just kept them, blah, blah, blah. But I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And that's the fall of our human nature. Like if we, like, we just are like imperfect humans and we have these thoughts and that's why we have to, in my personal opinion, align ourselves like with God and who God says we are, because through God's eyes, I am perfect. You know, I am divinely made and I am his pride and joy. Even just talking about it makes me emotional. And so it's like, I get to choose to live my life, how God wants me to live my life. And I get to choose to see myself, how God sees me, because that's better than thinking I'm God and I have all the answers and I know how to create reality the way I want it to, because at the smallest thing, like seeing myself in a bathing suit my mind starts to wander. My mind starts to spiral. And I think that's why people are so overwhelmed and stressed and burdened and all those, that stuff in life, because they're carrying things they're not supposed to carry. They're trying to control things they're not supposed to control. And it's like, if you would just actually surrender, not fake surrender by like your all your meditations and manifestations and all that stuff. But if you would actually give it over to God and just be like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I give it to you, God. And I trust you're going to show me what my next step is supposed to be or who I'm supposed to be. You know, people's burdens would feel a lot lighter. Yeah. And I, I think like what you said earlier kind of related to that is so powerful that like, I don't want anything in my life that God doesn't want in there. And I've, I've realized that I've gotten decently good in some ways of letting go of things, letting go of things. But I think like 
in relationships and love it's such a like a deep opening and intimacy yeah like I have such fears of you know like losing my boyfriend and like all of us not being right for each other or like whatever would happen and all of that is like control like I can't control eventually I have an intuition or he does or God tells me that it's not the right person yeah it's so scary to not yeah be in control or to not like already now be like it's forever because you want to know it's it's so much easier said than done and like our emotions are so real in those instances (laughs) I just need her to stay put or jump down um but okay she's just gonna stay there and wag her tail in my face um (laughs) but like emotions make it so much harder because we build these attachments and we have these emotional connections to people and like, right. Our hearts want things to be forever. And so by no stretch of the imagination, am I saying choosing what God wants for us is the easier choice. (laughs) It's oftentimes not. Um, I've really learned over the last couple of years that like, what I call carrying my cross really that to me, that's just like living my life, how God wants me to live my life. It's the harder path and it's really heavy. Um, and it's not always easy, but it's always better. It's always safer. It's always more abundant. It's always more beautiful. Like the, the pros always outweigh the cons, but nobody said it was easy. Um, and so when it comes to relationships, like, what I come back to is like just that trust that even if this falls away, I know something better will replace it. And it's okay to honor the pain and sadness and grief and loss that I feel right now. I I think because we as humans try to avoid our emotions so much and we try to avoid pain so much that that's what leads into the self-sabotage. That's what leads into us trying to control everything. And then we end up screwing things up through our grip, trying to grip onto control um, because it's just an avoidance of that pain. But if we actually learned to believe and know how capable we are to sit with pain, and if we actively practiced expanding our capacity to hold pain and realize like it actually can't kill us and like being able to move through discomfort in life, it's just It's part of the call of being human for some reason. And actually, I think spirituality plays a big part in this. We think we can bypass pain, right? We think that, oh, I'm only experiencing pain because I'm out of alignment somewhere or I'm, I'm buying into pain. So therefore I'm manifesting more of it. Like that's bullshit. That's setting yourself up for failure as a human being. You will experience pain. You will experience hardship. You will come up against challenges. And the sooner you learn to surrender to that and learn that you as a human being are so wildly capable of thriving, even in the face of pain, like it just doesn't, it's not that scary anymore. And that's, again, way easier said than done. Yeah. I think the attachment stuff is key and like trying to avoid pain and Mm -hmm. fear. And like, if we could just remind ourselves of that every day, that no matter what feeling we have, like we're always capable of moving through it and like sitting through it. I think that would be 
I feel like everyone needs like a sticky note on their mirror that says totally. that. Um, even, oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. I don't even know what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but like even last night, so I was driving through Old Town Scottsdale and I saw one of my best friends like sitting on the corner of this restaurant, like driving down while well, I was driving down Scottsdale Road. And so I texted him. I was like, looking fine on the corner. And he was like, come out with us. And I had no intention of going out or anything. But I was like, fuck it. I'll go out and be a sober soldier for a couple hours. Um, and that was the first time I've been out for people who like aren't familiar with the Old Town Scottsdale club scene. Like, it's intense. It's not like a dive bar. It's like loud DJs, flashing lights, packed clubs. Like, it's it's a lot. Um, and I hadn't really been in that scene for a year. Um, and then coupled on top of just like the isolation that was the pandemic in general, like my system had become so like no longer used to being in situations like that. And so within like the first 20 minutes of being at the club we were at, I just, I started feeling that fear, that anxiety, that like crazy discomfort in my body and I was like Michaela you you can give in and you can go home and that's totally fine like I give myself grace to do that if I need to but like do you really want to be that person who runs away at the first sign of discomfort who can't be out having fun with her friends you know on a whim like who who do you want to be because this is a, a turning point it might seem really insignificant but this is a turning point for you and I just chose to be like, I'm going to sit in the discomfort. And so I started going through like, I'm safe. I'm with people who love me. I'm in air conditioning. I have water. I don't go anywhere without my big giant, like 50 ounce uh, bottles of water. I had food because we ordered food. Uh, like I had everything I needed to make sure I was okay and safe. And so I just got to sit with it. And then like five minutes passed and I felt better. And then that was it. And so if we just learn to like face our discomfort and our fear, that's how we expand our capacity and how we're able to like the next time something like that comes up, it's like, I get it. This feels shitty. I prefer not to feel this right now, but I know it's not going to kill me and I know I'm going to survive and it's going to be all good on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so important. I don't know why it's making me think of this, but I remember in college we went camping in St. John and there was a bunch of spiders in our tent. And oh my gosh, girls, I hate spiders. one of the girls decided to leave and I was like, no, like we're, we're going to stay in the tent. Yeah. The spiders, I mean, maybe they could have killed us, but the spiders aren't going to kill us. It's going to yeah. be fine. And then after the first two nights of like adjusting to sleeping outside and all the things, it was the most beautiful trip ever. Yeah. But it's like, if I would have given into like how uncomfortable the first two days and nights were there, then I would have just like left. And I think mm-hmm. so often it's about just kind of like going into the discomfort, but yeah. I know we've already touched on it, but I'd love to hear kind of, I guess like how the past two years have been for you. Cause I, I re-listened to our old episode and it's funny, like you're a bio from then. And like, I don't even remember what I said. Well, it said you were it said you were a modern day priestess and you had a course oh coming out. my god vomit <laughs> you had a course coming out called soaking wet yes, yes yes soaking wet has since been retired sorry friends um, you can't get your hands on it 
So um, I'd love to hear kind of the transition <laughs> from pleasure and sexuality to kind of what you're doing now and like how that kind of took place. Oh, that makes me want to throw up. <laughs> um, honestly, like I I don't even have like an answer for how and why all of that transformation happened. It happened so rapidly. So summer of 2020, I, you know, felt the call, like it's time for me to move somewhere else. Um, and I moved to Huntington beach, California, right on the beach. It's just, it was so clear to me that like, that's where God wanted me in that season of life. And I thought, Oh, this is just going to be a continuation of all the great stuff that I was experiencing in Scottsdale, where I was like, so into all the woo woo spirituality stuff and all the sex magic and meditations like that and manifestation work. And I just thought like, this is it. This is where I reap everything that I've been working towards um, in my spiritual practice. And LOL, it wasn't at all. It was actually the complete dismantling of everything that I had been, you know, finding identity in for the last however many years. And so it was really hard like every, every single thing that was like of my ego and not part of the plan that God wanted for me that I found comfort in was taken away. So my relationship was taken away. My, even like me going out and partying with friends that was taken away. I don't really drink anymore. I'll go out and maybe have a glass of wine, like with a friend once every four months or something like that. But like, I don't drink. Um, I stopped really casually dating and I don't have sex anymore. I've been celibate for over a year now. Like everything that we tend to go to, to, dis to distract ourselves and find comfort in, it was taken away. And um, even so much so like God knew to do this work with me where I was brand new in a location. Like I didn't have the comforts of my life in Scottsdale where I was had all my amazing group of friends and people that I could go to every two seconds. Like I had to build my life brand new from this new version of like who God was telling me I now was. And that was really hard. And it came through a series of like really challenging moments. I remember it, it still makes me emotional to talk about it. Um, Thanksgiving of last year, I was home um, for the holidays and I had just gotten off a client call and my dad called us into the family room for a family meeting and um, they told us that like they had found a tumor in one of my mom's lungs um, and I just felt like my whole world was crashing around me like no, God, why is this happening? I'm not supposed to have a mom who's sick. Like, no, that's why I do all the spiritual work that I do. That's why I do all the manifestation work that I do. That's why I do all these things to keep my vibe so high where I'm immune to all this stuff happening. And, um, you know, that was just like one of the most painful things I've experienced in my adult life. And like the waiting for my mom to have her surgery, to have a portion of her lung removed, you know, like those were like three of the scariest, most 
painful um, experiences like or like days of my life. And thank God it turned out to be nothing. They said, oh, it was benign after a PET scan and a biopsy. Don't even get me started on that. How they still had her undergo this surgery and telling her that it was cancer for all these months. Um, but like, thank God it was nothing. But that doesn't take away from the, the pain that was that experience and how it just forced me to take a look at everything I thought I believed in, in terms of how I could control my life and how I could control my reality. And so like, I wish I could tell you, oh, I had a course or a guru or a coach or whatever that like helped me make this transition. But honestly, it was two of the most difficult years of my life that just stripped me of everything I thought I knew. And I just call it like I was forged in the fire when I think of these last two years and, um, you know, there's no better teacher than life. And, um, even in the face of, and and that experience with my mom was just one of many, 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 many terrible things that I could, um, go on about of how I was hard pressed and tried on every side. Um, but you know, I, I still was, sustained through all of it I was still protected through all of it I was still provided for through all of it and I think that's the other thing too of like why I don't I I won't say I fear pain or or you know I don't share the same fears that a lot of humans have because I do but I, I I'd say I think I do a pretty good job of not giving into them because I mean I've experienced a lot of pain and emotional hardship and just being pushed to my absolute breaking point. Um, I mean, I had two years straight of that and it's like, I still made more money like year over year, the whole time. I still grew my business. I still found amazing people. I still became a better human. I still like my life still kept moving forward. Um, and so it just showed me like, damn, even in my hardest seasons, like God's still coming through for me. God's still providing for me and still protecting me. And um, yeah, I mean, just it, it shifted my entire perspective and like what I really wanted to be pouring my heart and soul into serving myself or serving, you know, God and the plan he has for my life. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. That sounds it's okay. She's all good now. Um, it turned out to be a whole scary, you know, experience for nothing, but it still taught me a lot. A lot. Yeah, and I I feel like I can relate to the experience of 2020 and 2021 just being absolutely horrible. Um the worst. Um, <laughs> You know, like Sammy Be Love on Instagram. I don't know, maybe. I, I had her um, on the podcast last December and she'd had like a horrible past two years kind of as well. And like, you know, the same sort of message of like, it was absolutely horrendous, but like, you know, it just yeah. expanded my capacity to be with all of those experiences and still find joy in every day and still yeah. be here and still be okay, even when it felt like, everything was falling apart and totally I yeah I think it just 
made things like abundantly clear in my life like any illusions were stripped away yes yeah and like spirituality is spirituality in the sense of how it's portrayed on social media because I'll still say I'm still a very spiritual person like I all my like prophetic gifts and the visions I have and and the messages I channel like that those things are of the spirit like don't get it wrong like that's very much a spiritual connection that I have to God and God's spirit but like I said, like spirituality, the way it's taught, it's about creating ourselves as gods and like thinking all the power comes from us. And I just, I don't buy into that anymore. I think that's a, um, a really rocky foundation to build your life upon because, um, the second you come up against really any type of hardship in life, you see how quickly, uh, you crumple when you're left to your own devices. Yeah. I think something, I think it was my dad said it, to me when I was like a kid but just the idea that like no one gets out of life alive no you know no matter who you are there's going to be something horrible that you have to experience totally and multiple things in multiple seasons that was like how I had to logically explain it to myself and deprogram like how deep I was bought into like I'm not supposed to be experiencing pain. If I'm experiencing pain, then some I'm doing something wrong or I'm giving power to it or whatever. Like that ideology had really deeply planted roots into my mind. And I had to like, after everything with my mom, I literally had to like sit myself down. Like I was a child and be like, what are the fundamental truths of life? We are born and we die. And like, every single one of us dies. Every single one of us will know somebody who dies. And that is a painful experience. And not none of us can escape it. So like, why do I think that I'm not supposed to experience pain? Right? And when you break it down like that, it's just like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm allowed to like admit that I will experience pain in this life. And that doesn't mean that, um, I'm doing something wrong or I'm like less conscious or less evolved. Yeah, completely. And I, I, I feel like I was thinking about it today. It's just so silly that it's like, it's like tricked our minds that like, if we're experiencing something bad or like entertaining a sad thought that like you're scared that it's going to like multiply when it's like, correct, actually have to feel those things to move through that. Yeah. I don't remember who it was on TikTok, but I saw this one person's account and she made a video and it was like, just want to let everyone know that like my most abundant days have come from when my vibe was low, right? Like I've made the most money on my low vibe days when I was in a bad mood and feeling really like angry or sad or whatever. It's just like this whole notion of like, we have to keep our vibe super high and only feel the good things if we want more of it it's just a crock of shit and it's led to a lot of suffering I think um collectively definitely yeah I guess to to pivot from that a little bit I'd be curious to kind of hear about you know like the sacred sexuality space or kind of things you think about that potentially now or like your year or so like celibacy and how that has kind of came about and yeah, I, I definitely relate to what you were talking about of like things being stripped away and like mm-hmm. a relationship 
alcohol and going out and then sex, like those are all comforts. Totally. And they're so pushed on us as like normal and part of being young and fun and youthful and all that stuff. And again, I, that's not a coincidence. Like the more that I learn and know about how the spiritual world works, um, I'm like, it's not a coincidence that, you know, we're taught that casual sex is freedom. It's the complete opposite. Um, and so, but just to kind of answer your question of like my thoughts now on sacred sexuality and all that stuff, like it's still very much a, a part of me and how I live my life. And even just some practices that I still do in the comforts of my own home, but it's not where I put all my stock into. And it's certainly not what I choose to coach women or lead women on anymore, because I find that it's, again, it's just a, a mask for the healing that people, and, you know, I'm going to speak to women because I coach women that women really need. Um, almost every single one of my one-on-one clients over the years has, well, up until I, you know, made that transition to no longer like brand myself as a sexuality coach or whatever, like women were constantly coming to me thinking that they wanted to feel more pleasure in their bodies and learn how to connect to pleasure and their sacred sexuality and all that stuff. And that's never actually what we ended up talking about in our calls ever. Like I, I've, I don't think I've ever taught one of my one-on-one clients like a quote unquote sacred sexuality practice because it's just not the healing that people need. People need spiritual healing. They need to overcome their demons. They need to be face-to-face with the pain of their past and how it's now manifesting into their present and the choices that they're making and, you know, why they lack discipline and why they can't choose what's best for them and you know, why they find identity and all these things outside of themselves. Like that's what people really need healing on. And yet we look to all these different things for comfort, like sexuality, like being a master manifester, like all, you know, all the other courses and stuff that's out there. Um, you know, it's my opinion that those are just band-aids for, you know, a lot of people that don't really want to do the deeper work Uh, to me, like I I could make a million courses on, you know, how to have a sacred sexuality practice and how to actually understand manifestation and how to be a good steward to money and all that stuff. But I have no interest in teaching people those things until they've done the deeper work on their foundation of self, because it doesn't matter until you do that deeper work, you're gonna, like your demons are going to keep showing up and, other areas of your life and so that's why uh a lot of my clients who like are even pleasure coaches themselves they have like maxed out credit cards that they can't pay off they end up in really toxic relationships over and over again like and I'm not saying that from like a judging place because I've been there I've literally done it all myself and um But that's how I know to call it out because it's just a symptom of deeper dysfunction that people are avoiding. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely really agree with that and the whole like that we are sold like casual sex and then spirituality instead of going to what's deeper, more 
like mm-hmm. uncomfortable it's kind of a mask and I I was having this conversation with my boyfriend maybe a couple of weeks ago of like do we actually like is any casual sex actually psychologically healthy is any of it actually safe and like I couldn't and this is really like coming from a place of no judgment because I was yeah you know doing that all the time and I felt strong and I felt sexy totally. and I felt empowered yeah. and I felt bad usually after but in the moment I did feel good about it and sometimes after yeah. I feel good about it but the the wear I guess the wear and tear did to my soul my body of yes. sharing yes. with people that were not safe that had not earned that that privilege of yep. me in that state and yeah, I think I we kind of like came to the conclusion that I'm like, I don't know if any casual sex is a net positive experience for people. Totally. And I think, again, this is like my understanding of just like how the spiritual world works. I, I think we tend to think of like being possessed, having it look like horror films that we see in like theaters or whatever but the reality is we can be possessed by dark spirits of jealousy anger insecurity anxiety depression um all these things like those are from darker spirits that you know claim their stake within us and sex is one of the most intimate ways that we share energy, that we, you know, share our spirit with another person. And, um, you know, that's, I think that's why we're in the situation as a world in, as a collective that we are, because, you know, casual sex is so normalized and we're just sharing our demons with everybody. We're sharing our anger. We're sharing our jealousy. We're sharing our insecurities. We're sharing our anxiety. And we're not even realizing the effect that it has on us. And, and I mean, it's why it's so common when I speak with my clients as they start to dive into this work and, um, you know, awaken to the more spiritual nature of themselves. They find, like, they, they tell me they have experiences where, like, they have sex with someone and then they just don't feel right after. Or they get super emotional after and they don't know why or whatever. It's like, because it's not just a physical experience that you're engaging in when you have sex. It's spiritual, physical, emotional, mental. Like, it's just, and that's why, like, when you actually have sex with an aligned partner, that's good and safe for you. It's everything and more because you're connected and you're safe on all those levels. And it's just like, Now you got the pleasure moving on all those levels. But, um, you know, when we're having sex in a way that's not actually aligned with our spirit and what's best for us, it's, um, it can be really harmful. Yeah. And what was the, because I I feel like the journey before we've kind of like talked about that is there's, I feel like there's this experience with sexuality or sexual trauma that I know I've experienced of like, sexual trauma or being overly sexualized and then having bad experiences shutting it down completely Mm -hmm. and then becoming pseudo spiritually empowered and then having casual sex in a way that I felt was empowering because I was empowered and feeling sexy in my sexuality and then later realizing 
this is damaging and this doesn't feel good anymore and like not being able to do that anymore and now like being in like a safe healthy relationship like the idea of casual sex just like feels like unfathomable totally and I it's I wish I could say there was like a better way for people to like come to this moment of clarity with themselves than um you know experiencing the opposite but like my story is very similar like I was with a man for a year and a half that I was like full-on in love with and our sex was so spiritual and so safe and so connected and then when that ended um you know I had my ego trip of like I just need to give in to all my old pleasures and go out and get drunk with friends and hit up, you know, a guy that I used to hook up with and all that stuff. And like, after I got done having sex with this guy, I was like, wow, I really wish I wouldn't have done that. Like it did not give me what I thought I wanted to. And so it was in that moment, I just decided like, this just isn't for me anymore. It doesn't feel good. I don't even enjoy it. Like the whole time I'm just thinking like, this isn't what I want it to be. And so in my choice to just not have sex anymore, the healing really started becoming apparent probably like three months in where at first I I made the choice to become celibate because I just didn't, you know, want to have sex with people that I wasn't like in a safe, loving, healthy relationship with. I didn't realize that also in that decision I was going to be healing like one of the deepest sources of trauma for me, which was sexual trauma. I didn't realize the freedom that I would experience in no longer being a slave to lust and my desires and, um, you know, trying to prove myself as worthy through how great I was at sex or, you know, like, like all of this clarity just started coming to me of like, how I actually was relating to sex. And it made total sense to me because I I tell my clients all the time, like you can't heal in the same environment that's harming you. And sex was that environment for me. Like I've, I've experienced so much trauma from some of the worst things of trauma you could think of to just even like a very common experience that women have in that when they say yes when they want to say no and um you know I just started having all this clarity around all those experiences and how you know continuing to have sex without doing that deeper work to figure out okay what do I actually how do I actually relate to sex what is sex actually to me what do I want it to be I was just perpetuating the trauma yeah yeah I completely relate to that and I was not like celibate as long as you were and luckily like the next person I did have sex with even like the first time provided that like safety and like Mm -hmm. intimacy for me and it's like continued onward like that and I think something that makes me think of is that's like another situation where we have to sit in the discomfort because it's easier to feel the quick fix or the quick pleasure of reaching out to someone and having 
getting the validation from casual sex or the validation of trying to be good at sex yeah versus like loving yourself enough to not keep re-traumatizing yourself and keep putting yourself in harm's way and I'm really just like starting to uncover my sexual trauma but there are you know I with like a therapist have listed out how many situations around sex that I've had that are traumatic and they're are like a crazy number of them and yes really sad because the sexual trauma starts when girls are you know 13 14 15 yeah. and then unconsciously they are repeating it in the partners they choose in their relation and like can never have a healthy relationship to sex and all of this is unconscious and it's perpetuated by our society being okay with casual sex and not yeah. giving women um education on emotional safety and on you know I guess they kind of have it in like structured religion but there's not like a middle ground of like your body is sacred you should feel emotionally safe with someone it's just like don't get pregnant don't do it it's a sin yeah yeah Yeah. and which it's not even I have my whole philosophy on that because like I'm sure people can probably tell from this interview like I I'm a Christian. I identify as a Christian. I go to church every Sunday, like God and Jesus are in the Holy spirit or the foundation of who I am. But even I like sex is not a sin. God created sex. Sex is good. Sex is holy. I think that, um, where God advises us to not have sex in terms of outside of, you know, this, the sacrament of marriage I really come to learn it's for our own protection. And I also think like, well, I mean, I won't even get into that like theological debate, but that's a conversation for another day. But like, when I think of, okay, had I just listened, you know, to that thing that I'm taught in church from growing up, how much trauma would I have avoided? Yeah. Right. If I just, if I would have, not had sex until I, you know, found someone that was as safe as my future husband, how much trauma would I have saved myself from? And I think that's really at the heart of that, you know, no sex before marriage, not because it's shameful or bad, or God wants to withhold pleasure from us. Like that's not, that's not God. Um, It's, it's for our own protection. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it's, like, it's so sad, and it's, like, with everything, like, waking up to different forms of trauma, you just, like, kind of start to see it everywhere with the sexual trauma Mm -hmm. stuff, and, like, I don't know, for me, it's funny, because, like, right now, I'm actually back in my hometown, where, like, so much of this sexual trauma occurred, and the person I'm dating actually, like, went to my high school, and, like, we reconnected, so it's, interesting to like talk about those experiences again and like experience them and like part of me wants to like I don't know go into the middle school I went to or the high school and like give a talk about this and emotional safety because it it breaks my heart to think of like 14 and 15 year olds getting drunk at a party and having some guy take advantage of them and them thinking this is just how it is normal it's how yeah I mean, I grew up hearing like, oh, guys are only interested in women for one thing. Like, 
I literally grew up hearing that like constantly. And then when I lost my virginity when I was 14 and I remember like, we never talked about it. We never had a conversation around it. It was just something that I let happen. And I specifically remember thinking, oh, well, if I have sex with him, then he'll stop cheating on me. He'll stop looking elsewhere for sex because, you know, I wasn't taught how to value myself and how to value my body and what real self-love is. And, um, that I don't exist simply to fulfill men's desires, right? Like that's just not, those weren't conversations that I had as a child. And that was the foundation of my relationship with sex. Like it never, it was built on a broken experience of when I lost my virginity and had sex for the first time. Um, And like lust and without even realizing it, like lust and my physical desires had gained so much power and control over me and my decisions and removing myself from having sex. I realized how much they were calling the shots. Like I realized that anytime I catch a vibe with someone, I would literally think like, Oh, am I supposed to have sex with them? You know? Cause it was like, that FOMO, it's like, oh, maybe it's going to be freaking amazing sex and I'm not going to experience it if I don't give it a go. And like, what type of, how, how could I ever have a healthy marriage if that's the relationship I had with my lust and my, my sex, right? But I'm someone I, I want to be married. I want to, you know, be a one and doneer and grow old with someone. Like I have that model for me and my parents, my grandparents, like, I'm so grateful for that. But like, realistically, how could I have a healthy marriage long term, if anytime I had chemistry with someone or found someone attractive, or like, vibed with someone, like, I felt like, oh, I'm supposed to have sex with them. It's because we have this crazy dysfunctional relationship with sex and and physical pleasure, where like, we're just not taught that, oh, you can find attraction in someone and like, that's it, right? You can just be attracted to them and like, it doesn't have to go any further. And you're not missing out on like the deepest pleasures of life by not having sex with every beautiful person that you're attracted to in the world. Yeah. And just that you can like connect with people and like, yes, it does outside of, yeah. It doesn't have to mean that you give your body to them. It doesn't have to correct sex. Yeah we're sold that. And like, I know we've talked about this before in your last podcast that we both like looked old, you know, at a younger age and we both yeah. were like curvy and like were sexualized. And so it just became like attached to like, I owe this to someone Yes, that finds yeah. me attractive. And it's just like really, really sad that I feel like I wasn't taught to value myself either. And like, I feel like finally now I am being taught to like value myself around sexuality and yeah. I totally mirror what you said about. And I think me and my partner have even had discussions about like healing that because that's not someone you can actually male or female trust in a long-term relationship. Someone that Correct. thinks I connect and I have like a vibe with someone sex. Yes. Like that's and- not good (laughs) no it's not good yeah 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 it's like 
this conversation too, it just like, I don't know. I know you feel so deeply too. It's like, I just literally, I think of all the women that maybe like, even right now in this moment are doing something that like damages them. And I think back on all my past sexual experiences and they're not a lot I can count that felt good or safe and not traumatizing. And that's what we, I think we don't talk about it enough as women. Cause the thing too, is like, I wasn't able to admit to myself until I stopped having sex. Right. I had to be celibate me personally for months before I could even admit to myself all the lies I was telling myself about sex, all the shit that I would, you know, feed into or let men do to me or whatever, because I was being this persona of like, if I do what, you know, men think is freaky and what they want or whatever, then like, I'm worthy of being chosen. They'll stick around. They won't leave me. I'm good enough. I feel, I feel better about myself. But like, when I think of (laughs) the number of times that, or I'll even just say like the number of partners that in my life that I had sex with, where I was like, yes, that was really good sex. I think of two, two people. And in both times I was in love with them, you know? And so like, I don't, I didn't have a single casual sexual relationship with someone that even came close to the depth of pleasure and intimacy that I experienced within my um, relationships where I was just like head over heels in love. Yeah. When, when I thought about that question too, I literally only think of like one person and yeah. the person I'm in a relationship with now of like yeah. all the times that like casual sex was on the table. It's just like so sad, but I'd love to hear kind of as a segue about, you know, talking about relationships and self-sabotage and past trauma. Cause you know, I know that the sexuality stuff plays into all of that too. And self-sabotage. Totally. And I think I was like, comfortable in the strong independent sexual casual sex woman more so than I was in trying to be in a relationship like that was more scary even though deep down I really wanted that but I was blocking myself from a relationship at every turn by the people I was picking yep and that's how like that's just the epitome of self-sabotage because when we don't have an awareness around our fears and what we're trying to avoid, we don't have an awareness of how that manifests in our actions. So, I mean, it's like the classic example we see of people who they'll be in love with someone, but they push them away. It's not because they don't love them. It's because they're terrified subconsciously of it not working out and, you know, them being left and having their heart broken, whatever. And in those moments, like people don't even realize what they're doing when they're doing it. Um, And so it's, again, why doing the deeper work is so important. It's more important than the pleasure work. It's more important than the money manifestation. It's more because these things show up everywhere and you will continue to self-sabotage until you'd finally decide to become face-to-face with your deepest fears um, and understanding where they've had their threads feeding through every area of your life. 
Yeah. Do you think kind of like working through the fear of them leaving is just like about expanding your capacity to sit with, like if they did, like expanding your capacity to sit with pain and like fear? That, and I also think like, why is this fear so deep for you, right? What happened from your past that felt so traumatic at the time? Um, And now as adults, because we have the ability to see outside of ourselves in a way that we don't really as children, when a lot of these traumatic events take place, like for some people, it was a parent leaving. For some people, it was, you know, their first boyfriend that cheated on them or just abused them or whatever. And in those experiences, when we're younger, we tend to take them so personally and we tend to make it about us and our worth and all those things. And as adults, kind of being able to look back and revisit these experiences, we now have the skills to more logically walk ourselves through what actually happened. Like, especially when it comes to like our parents, we just put our parents on pedestal. Like we look at them as if they're gods when we're kids and like they do no wrong. And so, you know, if someone leaves or there's a divorce, we just, we make it about us or, you know, we could have done something to make them stay or, you know, my dad's an asshole or whatever. Like we don't see the intricacies of the relationship dynamics and being older. It's like, we're able to look back and be like, Oh, these are my dad's demons. These are my mom's demons. This is how they were codependent. This is how they fed into each other's trauma. You know, it's like, we're able to see more of the reality of what was really going on, even with past relationships. Like This is how we were codependent with one another. This is the shit that he struggled with and it triggered all this shit within me. And this is why I stayed. And this is why he ran. It's like, we're able to see the clarity and what actually happened. And so with that clarity, we're able to be like, oh, this actually didn't have anything to do with me. And I don't have to make it mean anything about me in that I'm unlovable or no one wants to stay with me or I'm doomed for failure, right? We don't have to grab onto those really doom and gloom identities because we've now broken down those traumatic experiences and realized that our trauma responses are just that, they're responses, they're not actual truth. Um, And so then we get to unpack all the ways that it's been manifesting through our words, thoughts, beliefs, actions, and start course correcting. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what do you think about kind of like when you start breaking these patterns and like being in a healthy relationship and that not feeling good necessarily, because that's not what we are used to and that people can self-sabotage that and like move away from that. Because I think that's something that makes the relational healing so difficult. Cause like you, I feel like your intuition can be clearer in other situations, but with relationships when you're moving away from a past pattern it's like your fear gets so loud yeah it can trick you it it can um and that's why I like I tell people when you're first dating in a healthy way for like the first time in your life it doesn't feel like the sexy chemistry that you're used to it can 
but oftentimes we find chemistry from people that like we're trauma bonded to. And so when you first start choosing healthy partners who will love you unconditionally for the first time, it's like, you have to logically talk yourself into it because you're like, oh, this is what I'm used to and what I'm used to finding attraction in. And like, this person doesn't have it, but they're consistent. They're loyal. They love me. I can be myself, right? It's like, you have to have that self-talk to quiet your, your past fears down. Um, and that's also why I made that pivot from like sacred sexuality coaching to relationships, because there's no, there's no experience in your life. That's going to bring everything to the surface for you, like a relationship, especially your first healthy relationship. It's probably going to be one of the most triggering experiences in your life because, um, you know, you have someone that's shining a light on all your shadows that you've been avoiding. And I think that, um, just choosing to be wildly open in your communication is going to go a long way. Like, and that can feel really scary to admit our vulnerabilities because then we're exposed. And if someone really sees me in my ugliness and my darkness, are they going to get scared and run away? But again, that's like self-sabotage because it's in being seen in our fears, in our baggage, in our whatever, and having someone, instead of running away, choose to stay and choose to support us and love us through that. Like that is a depth of intimacy that most people run away from, but it's what they actually want. People don't realize that's what they actually want to be fully seen, to show their ass and have someone be like, I don't care. We're going to work on this together and I'm here and I love you. Um, and that's not an excuse to like stay complacent and not work on your shit, but, um, you know, relationships with the right person are like a, just the most incredible container for healing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much shit that has come up that I didn't know about myself and there's mm-hmm. no way I would have known except in this experience and I think what you're having saying, him trigger I'm assuming yeah yes having yeah. him trigger that experience and I I think too with the kind of like letting them see all of you like I've realized the ways that I like avoid saying certain things or yeah. you know don't share things or don't share truths and um like we've both been like reading this book about like conscious loving and there's this thing called like telling the microscopic truth Mm. and I like realized that I I wasn't I wasn't doing that because of like old people pleasing patterns like I would rather I I was so scared of triggering him or making him feel upset by my feelings that I'm just gonna like stuff this down or not tell the full truth about something and in that I was lying. And And you become a shell of yourself when you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I would have never known that there was this part of myself that was so trying to protect myself and other people's feelings Mm -hmm. that I was willing to be dishonest. And that's not a comfortable thing to see in yourself. No. And it also like, 
So something that came up for me in my last relationship was I was really triggered by his social media because he had, I mean, he still has like a very large following in like the, the eyes of the world. And most of his fan base is women. And it triggered the fuck out of me for a long time in the beginning. But because I was still stuck in the identity of the cool girl, I didn't say anything. I just like dealt with it with myself and I didn't really project any of it onto him, which I think is, you know, it's a good thing to not project your shit onto people. But I think there's also a, a, a deeper place I could have gone in my vulnerability with him and saying, this is why it triggers me because in my first relationship in high school, that was wildly abusive, unhealthy, terrible. When he was on someone else's page or liking or commenting stuff, it's because he was sleeping with them, right? It yeah. is because that's actually what was going on. And so I internalized that as like, oh, if someone's following another woman or if he's liking or commenting on their shit, like he must be sexually interested in them and wanting to like have sex with them, right? Like, and again, that's also a reflection of my dysfunction with sex, because, like we talked about, because we can't just let a connection be connection or we can't just let attraction be attraction. Like there has to be sex as the end result. And so like, I didn't realize that it was so triggering for me because of my past and just my, it was a reflection of my own relationship to sex um, and lust. And, you know, looking back on that, it's like, that's one of the places where I could have been more vulnerable in my communication of just saying, Hey, I don't want to make this about you, but this is what comes up for me when I see, you know, you liking or commenting or whatever. And like, since I've, now worked through that like I don't even I don't give a shit like I don't I don't look at anything of what people are following or doing on social media or whatever because I just I just don't care someone's going to choose to be with me or they're not um but that was such like a trigger point for me um in the past because of my past yeah and I I think that's like so important to share to share the microscopic truth and I think it's been interesting to like see myself in relationship and see me dim myself down because I'm scared Mm -hmm. that some part of my truth will hurt my partner even though I I need to share that for those things to be in the light and for us to be in a healthy relationship and to actually not self-sabotage it because if I don't speak up about my anxieties or my fears or my things that are plaguing me that's all my, like, that's all my headspace is. That's like leading me. And it's like in the darkness and like growing stronger. And it comes back to like our conversation about expanding our capacity to sit with discomfort. We fear, like, unfortunately we're kind of in this like generational space where because of the microwave culture and like the easy pleasure hits with social media and everything it is easy to avoid discomfort and just go find something that feels good right around the corner and so I think there's a part of us that fears oh someone will just go do that if I cause them discomfort or pain Mm -hmm. um and also our own avoidance of it because it's it's easier to just avoid the discomfort and pain and swallow my truth than like potentially create a conflict here 
Um, but I, I think it's in the discomfort and the pain and, and sitting in that with someone and working through it. Like that's where your relationship grows deeper and stronger and more intimate. Um, I mean, I think of my last relationship and some of the most like fucked up conversations that we had to have because of the ways that both of us were triggered or even some stuff that I, you know, witnessed within his family. Um, like we had to talk about it. And I remember one of like the, um, just things that I, I witnessed as an outsider afterwards, he was, you know, we, he thanked me for just talking through it with him because he was like, I know this was hard. I know this was uncomfortable, but this is real life shit. Like family stuff comes up in relationships and in marriages. And like, how are you going to deal with like work through that as a couple and not turn around and run away? Yeah. And I, I think that's, like so so important and I, I think of like the times with my partner when like his demons have come out mm -hmm. and like I am able to still make him feel lovable and that I'm gonna stay and that I like mm -hmm. love him and whatever the shit is and yeah. it's like that's like so healing for a person and it's interesting yeah. it's like having light bulb moments that in myself I'm not letting myself be loved and be affirmed in this way because of like a almost like a codependent thing of like I'm okay with affirming and loving and healing being a healer for other people mm -hmm. but like not letting other people get the chance to like love me and my flaws yeah that's been something I've really been intentionally working on over the last probably like six months even like in my friendships like I'm always the one checking in on people. I'm always the one reaching out. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to sit on my hands and force myself to not, right? And just see who's there. And there's a lot of people probably who think like, oh, well, that's like a fucked up way to be. But it's really not because any relationship gets to be a two-way street. It just does. Otherwise, you know, you're in a codependent relationship where one of you are carrying the majority of the weight and responsibility. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've had that same experience of realizing that I was not just like being codependent like that in romantic relationships with, but with my friendships that I yep. felt like some way I had to be the one in control. Cause I was like, yeah, the other one or the one that was yep. always providing emotional support. Yeah. And like, that was my value. I couldn't just let myself be valued by being me. Yeah. Yeah. But, definitely like I was just gonna say we're allowed to be a mess and still be loved yeah and that's that's the tough stuff and I feel like it's so tricky with spirituality because there's ways that I do let myself quote be a mess and be loved but there's just these like seeds still in there that still live on like certain things that I don't feel like it's okay to be mm -hmm. messy and that I'm not able to like let myself be loved in and like that's the magic and like that's the work of being in this relationship and being in relationships and healing is that I'm able to see that and able to work through that and like yeah those things be exposed I think about that even with communication like I used to put so much emphasis on making sure that I communicate with men in a way that's not going to trigger their ego right like this is how I want to approach conflict this is how I want to communicate a trigger this is how whatever but again, that's like me trying to control the scenario. 
now is that saying, oh, I should be able to just like say F this, F you, whatever. And like, that be cool too. No, of course not. But like, where can I let more of my true emotion come out? Right? Like my, I'm allowed to feel my anger. If you hurt me, I'm not, it's not my job to hide that from you. Right. You like, we, some, we get to see the impact that we have on people, whether, you know, you want to call that spiritual or not. Um, if I hurt somebody like part of holding myself accountable is seeing the impact of my actions and realizing, oh my gosh, I never want to do that again. But if we just like tiptoe and, and walk around not wanting to trigger anyone and not try to make people feel bad and whatever, it's like, it loses the impact of like allowing people to grow and change and also not expressing ourselves the way that our emotions need to be expressed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's so powerful. And I, I see that in myself too, of like, whenever there's a conflict, I have put so much pressure on myself to handle it perfectly, yep. perfect, yep. conscious, clear communication yep. because I'm trying to control it the outcome and it's like I don't put that same like burden or pressure on my partner that every time there's a conflict he has to handle it perfectly so why do I make it so I have to handle it perfectly or if I'm upset I need to like yeah I need to seem like calm and okay still and that's like not completely genuine yeah I, I always use my relationships with my sisters as like a mirror right because I don't worry about are my sisters gonna leave like my sisters and I, we are BFFs. We love each other. We are ride or dies. We are here no matter what. And when something pisses us off that one another does, we don't like sit around calling it out. Like we're like, that was shitty. That was bitchy. Why did you say that? Like we are so quick to it of like, that was not nice that you did that. Don't do that again. I don't like that. We don't hide anything from one another when things bother us. But think of now translate that over to a romantic relationship, how differently I show up at times. And it's like, mm, where am I not feeling as safe and secure in this relationship as I do with my sisters? Because that's really what it comes down to. I feel safe enough to be that version of myself with my sisters. And how can I bring more of that into my romantic relationships? Yeah, yeah, I think that's like so valuable and like such a good example too like if we could like think of our relationships like our sisters and of course you don't think of that when you first start dating someone but once you've like done the work and there's that safety and that commitment there to yeah yes and make it work that you have to practice continuing to remind yourself to feel safe because yeah you know I can I can feel myself like starting to feel like unsafe all the time and I'm like we made a commitment we're here, we're safe. Like I can trust that I can be honest and they're not going to leave. Like I can be open in my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's, there's nothing more, I think beautiful and impactful for us to experience as human beings than like knowing what it is to commit to a person and like just choosing to do life with them. Obviously if like you're in a an abusive relationship, whatever, like that, there are, there are nuances to everything, but like, I just, I look at my grandparents and even I look at my parents and, um, you know, they've been through really tough times and they've been really ugly versions of themselves. And yet they didn't leave. 
they stuck through it. They evolved as humans together, their relationships evolved. Um, and there's just like, to me, that's how you get to unconditional love with just that like unwavering commitment. Um, and there's just so much safety in that. And when people feel safe, like I think the best versions of them come out and flourish because that, that fear um, isn't the driving factor anymore. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like so powerful and I'd love like, I feel like I wanna talk about like the strong independent woman thing a little bit, but I also just um, wanna talk about and speak to that too. Winnie is full. Yeah, she's like, right. Yeah, she wants to be a part of this. (laughs) Um, How with relationship coaches and spirituality, how people are searching for these perfect people. And of course not Mm. condoning abuse, but the the idea of just like commitment. And like, I think this has even tripped me up because it's always like, oh, do I need someone that's like more this or more this or blah, blah, blah. Versus like this being a good thing, this being a healthy relationship, this being honest, this not being abusive and this being a person I want to do life with. Like, why do we feel like it needs to be like this or it needs to be a spiritual man? Like all of these things that are all these like traps of like searching for this perfect person that doesn't exist. Yeah, I think that there's two sides of that. So as humans, we're allowed to like what we like, and we're allowed to want what we want. So I do think it's important for us to be clear on like, what are our non-negotiables and, you know, being aligned in that, but all the nuances of like someone's personality or their political affiliation, or, you know, all these little things that like, oh, it'd be nice if we agreed on this, but you know, it's okay. Like you're, you're just not going to find the perfect person. You're not going to find someone that checks every box on their ideologies and how they think about things and how they act and what they look like and all that stuff. And so, um, I think that's another way in which like social media has harmed us because, you know, anybody can make themselves look and sound a, a certain type of way online and they can portray their relationship to be any type of way online. But um, people aren't really telling the truth of relationships that go the distance. Um, I think if you talk to any one of like our grandparents' generation or our parents who have stayed together, like all of them will share that there have been challenging times and struggles and that there are parts of their partner that they wish they could change or that, you know, wouldn't be their first preference, but there is no perfect person. Um, and so I think what's most important is that you're aligned on your non-negotiables and you're aligned on, you know, your values and like where you want to go in life and how you want to do life. And obviously like, you know, you get to be in love with the person too. That's not to say that this becomes like a a very logical, you know, check off boxes on a piece of paper type process. But, um, you know, I think that uh, just having that, that understanding that there is no perfect person. And, you know, when you fall in love with someone who's, you know, really aligned on the important things in life for you, uh, don't wait around to see if like something better is going to come along that might check one or two more boxes. Definitely. And I'm curious, like, what are your non-negotiables? Cause I, I, 
I don't know. I think it's just like my personality of overthinking and like very, so many thoughts and like Virgo perfectionism stuff that like the whole non-negotiables concept, like I can't like, it's like I started writing a list of like a hundred things. Yeah. I mean, and really like, I think the more, because I'm someone who's done so much work on myself, I probably do have like a really lengthy list of non-negotiables um, because I have more insight into like what makes a healthy person and what makes a healthy relationship. Um, so like for me, a non-negotiable is like someone who believes in God and like we share the same faith. Um, that's not to say that I couldn't love someone who doesn't, but like the vision I have for my life is, you know, being able to grow in my faith with my partner. And so that's just something I choose for myself. Um, like another non-negotiable is like self-awareness and being able to know, like identify their triggers and their wounds and their pain so that they don't project it onto me. Um, non other non-negotiables. I'm like, I haven't sat down and thought about this list in a long time. Um, is someone who is like a positive person who is optimistic about life, who, um, you know, wants to genuinely enjoy life rather than like sit there and just kind of waste away and feed into all the negativity that's out there. Um, yeah, just shared, shared values, shared, you know, kind of moral compass, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think those, like, I think when it really comes down to it, like mine are kind of like the three like that as well. Like it doesn't have to be the same spirituality as me, but some sort of spirituality, self-awareness and like gone to therapy, aware of its Mm -hmm. triggers and past and trauma. And then like a positive person that wants to explore life. Yeah. You know, and those are like the three kind of like key things and key ingredients and like all the other like good at this or like like photography, you know, like those are all just like, that would be cool, but yeah. Yeah. As I was like listening to you talk, I was thinking like, I think some people have on their list, like how many times a week someone works out, like, are they going to be my workout partner, partner, my gym buddy? And it's just like, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Like when I say aligned values, like that alone is like an exhaustive list, right? That's someone who honors their word, who's consistent, who's disciplined, who, you know, is more concerned about like long-term vision than temporary pleasure, right? Like that's what I think of when I think of like my values and what's really important to me. Um, And nowhere in my list of values is like, what kind of car they drive or how many times they go to their gym or the gym or, you know, things like that. And so I think like people tend to focus on the wrong things. And that's why we tend to end up in unhealthy relationships because we set our standards based on things that we shouldn't be setting our standards on. Um, And then we end up like staying in unhealthy relationships because this person's providing some sort of material thing that we won't have if they're no longer there, right? Like, oh, I can only pay my rent if we're living together. I can only um, go shopping as much as I do if I have access to their credit card or um, I only get to hang out with this group of 
like status, whatever people, if I'm in a relationship with them and like, we don't realize that that starts governing our decisions and our behavior. Um, and so we just stay in situations that aren't healthy because we're not actually clear on what's going to get us to a healthy relationship. Yeah. And focusing on the right things. Yeah. Well, I think that is like a good place to end off. I think like the two kind of last ish questions are, you know, just from like working with women on relationships, like what are some of maybe like the common forms of self-sabotage that you see? And then kind of just like ending off on how like, and I think we touched on this before, but how like the strong independent woman is kind of just like a trauma response as well. Like don't need anybody and men do it too, but yeah. I think that what I see most frequently in women is like this lack of a foundation of self-love and self-worth. So they use relationships or just male attention in general as a means of validation. And so when your identity is built into, do I have men interested in me? Do I have someone who, you know, I can say as my boyfriend or whatever, you tend to just kind of jump into the first thing that will fill that void for you. Um, And so, you know, I'd love to see more women learning to love themselves and value themselves and learn to really qualify partners because they know that they're whole and worthy with or without this particular person, Um, which I think is like a good segue into this hyper independence notion like of a woman, Um, because like then the trauma, the shadow side of that is, well, I don't need anybody. I'm, I'm good all on my own. And it's like, no, there's the happy medium there. Like, yeah, you're good on your own. You're capable on your own. You can do whatever you want on your own. But getting real with yourself that like the most human desire we have is to love and be loved. It's just a staple of who we are as human beings. And so if you can get past the ego and the walls that you've put up um, around all the fear of being left and abandoned and all that stuff, it's like, no, the truth is, you want to love and you want to be loved. And so learning to mix the two of like loving yourself and being able to maintain your independence until you meet someone who is um, aligned on all the things you want to be aligned on for a relationship, but also not giving into, oh, I just will accept anything because I want so badly to be loved and and to love and be loved. Um, so they, they work together. It's like this dance that, um, I think it's a dance we all have to do. It's like, I've been both ends of the spectrum to be able to figure out, oh, what's the middle ground, right? How do I navigate my deep longing to love and be loved without being a sucker for unhealthy relationships versus how do I navigate the fuck men? I don't need anybody archetype version of myself um and I've realized oh that doesn't work either and so it's like coming back to homeostasis in the middle um is where people really need to land to sustain that healthy relationship they're looking for yeah definitely and I I feel like I've been both sides of the spectrum and the hardest part is like getting into a relationship getting to know someone and realizing that they're not aligned and mm-hmm. like that surrender and that trust. Yeah. That's where a lot of people struggle, but 
this conversation has been so great and it's been <laughs> amazing to catch up on everything and just hear about your journey and evolution and process and just really excited we were both able to like reconnect again in similar spots and yeah I'm just yeah. super happy to have you back on. Same it's crazy like thinking of how this conversation went versus the last one I'm like I've changed so much in such a short period of time it's wild. Yes. Yeah. You should, you should re-listen to it tonight or something. If you can stomach it. <laughs> I don't know that I want to. I might cringe at myself, but um, yeah, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. I was re-listening to it with, um, with my boyfriend and he watched the like relationship free seminar. Like we watched it together and I was reading your intro and he was like, is this the same girl? Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. It's so funny. But um, anyway, I'm so happy to have you back on and it is crazy how much you can change in two years and great yeah. to be where we both are now. Yes, same.